Hello and welcome to Small Business Speaks, the podcast where we get to know the people and ideas that bring businesses to life. I'm Jen Silverian, a recruiter and business owner that loves to shine the light on people that are exceptional at what they do. Today's guest is Mark Baudis, founder and owner of Baudis Financial in Montclair, New Jersey. Mark is a wealth manager, helping people achieve financial freedom and ensuring they never run out of money. He works with very sophisticated investors, many small business owners, as well as people like me that are, how should I put it, finance adverse. Because of his financial acumen, I've asked him to come on and interpret what's going on in the economy since COVID, since the news makes it sound like the end of the world. We're going to talk about different recovery scenarios, how to interpret unemployment numbers, and what to be doing about the things we can control. By the way, towards the end of this podcast, he has an inspiring message about two reasons we have to be hopeful. Make sure you stick around for that. Finally, Mark is a fellow podcaster. He's recorded 50 episodes of his Agent of Wealth podcast, and he's adept at breaking down complex issues. So I encourage you to check out his show too. You will even find an interview with me there as part of Mark's recent series on employment. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Jen. I appreciate you having me on. I hope you brought your crystal ball. (laughs) It's, I've been getting a lot of crystal ball questions lately. So, uh, yeah. We, no we, doubt we it's getting ball. a lot of use. Yeah. So, like everyone, I want to know when and how quickly things will get better. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have four main questions that I want to talk about. Um, and I'll list them now. And then we'll go back and tackle them one at a time. Sounds so, good. So, number one, are we at the bottom or will it get worse? Number two, can we anticipate a slow or quick recovery? Three, what's the impact of pumping all this stimulus money into the economy? And four, what's your prognosis for the job market and unemployment rates? Perfect. So we're going to dive in. Um, And you've promised to keep this pretty high level because we know that I am not an economist. (laughs) We'll do Um, So first off, are we at the bottom or will it get worse? And really, you know, what I'm asking here is how can we interpret what's going on in the stock market, in consumer spending, uh, in unemployment numbers? And are are these even the most important indicators to be watching? All right. So it's a good question. Um, I think, you know, we've never seen anything like like this where we're, we're coming into you know, stock markets at highs in the beginning of the year, record growth, low unemployment, and all of a sudden, it basically just stopped, right? We, we the virus came to the US, cases increased. And, you know, we, we don't know what, what happened or what, what it, the impact is gonna is gonna be. But we do know that, yeah, at some point, there is going to be a bottom, there's going to be a recovery involved. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of it started with the first thing that happened was even before the cases really accelerated here was that the stock market did drop, right? So we had that historic drop basically over a four week period of time where the market dropped over 30% and is the, the quickest decline in a month that we've ever had. And, you know, at first people were asking me, well, what, what is going on? Is this ever going to end? Because day after day, you'd see these swings where it would drop 5%, 4%, 6%, 10%. 
And, you know, no one really knew. You know, when you see that happening in front of you, you don't know what, you know, you, you just think this is never going to end. And there was that initial panic that, that set in. Then we, we saw that the, uh, the virus came, cases, cases really started growing. Um, and what that happened was the economy then shut down. And now people are worried, all right, how am I going to pay my bills next month or next week? And, you know, how do I, how does my family get by? And then now third, it's people are starting to look at the third phase of this of, all right, did we hit a bottom? You know, we saw this record decline in March, but also we had basically a record bounce back in April. So we're not back to where we were previously a couple of months ago, but, um, you know, we, we had, we had 30% growth in the, or pickup in the, in the stock market. And it's really trying to, to, um, you know, correlate those two because at the same time that we're seeing this bounce back in the stock market, we're also every week getting reports on unemployment numbers, which are crossing these enormous, uh, you know, thresholds of, you know, first it was 10 million, then 20 million. Now last week we hit 30 million and it's not, it's not slowing down. Um, so on one side you see, oh yeah, the stock market is up. It's, it's moving up. And on the other side, you see record unemployment. People are pulling back on their, their spending, consumer spending. And, you know, we're just predicting more job losses and it, it doesn't correlate. So that's the question, you know, I'm getting a lot is what is going on with, with everything? Um, so I'll answer it by, uh, after that long intro to the, to it. No, by I saying, appreciate the talk <laughs> about some of the indicators because they do seem at odds with each other. Yeah. And, and that's what it really comes down to is that the stock market's a, a, it's a leading indicator. So just as we saw that it dropped before we saw the big unemployment numbers or the big virus case numbers, it's coming back up because what it thinks it's, it thinks that there's going to be a recovery pretty soon. And it thinks that there's going to be a boom after that that recovery happens. And the stock market makes predictions just like you or I will make, or some economist that we see on CNBC will make a prediction. Uh, and the, the stock market is probably right more than, you know, you and I are, or some expert on, on CNBC, but that's what it is. It's a leading indicator. It's, it knows that there's, you know, that the, all the earnings numbers that come out or all the, you know, economic numbers are going to be bad. But what it's saying is in the future, in the near term, near future, it thinks that it's going to, you know, it, it will pick up. It, there will be hiring spree and there will be a, a boom. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. And there's obviously a lot of uncertainty and a lot of things that can go wrong or, you know, a lot of paths that this recovery can take. But the, the stock market is definitely making a bet that we're going to we're going to bounce back because it's it's a it's, you know, 30 percent off its lows. And if you look back, you know, you look back at it and this was what was happening. I was getting a lot of questions of this is crazy. I'm down. And I would point back to someone's, um, you know, portfolio and say, it's that we're only at October of last year or we're only at, you know, the beginning of 2019. Or So it's not like we have this historic collapse in the in the stock market. Will. And I think, you know, we can talk a little bit about some of the, the recoveries and the shapes of the recoveries. But the market is betting that, yeah, we, we're off a of bottom and that we're, we're marching forward towards, towards getting back to where we were. Okay, that helps me understand um, how we're going to get into our next question, which is about the recovery and the, the speed and the shape of the recovery. Um, okay. So, you know, 
one of the things um, that makes it so hard to predict is because we don't really have the certainty of an answer until we know that we can contain the virus without a second wave of infections and safely reopen the economy. You know, if we knew there was a, a, a an approved vaccine that would be available, you know, in first quarter of next year, it'd be, it'd be something that we could plan around. But we really, this is the first time this has happened and we don't know, right. you know, how it's going to shake out. So as a result, as you, as I was reading into this, it's typically three scenarios that are being discussed, like a, you know, good, bad, and ugly. Um, so, it, and and those are a May reboot, a summertime V shape, and a fall recovery. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously, they go from you know good to catastrophic. Um, at this point, do we know that it's too late for a May reboot? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of this, obviously, there's, there's uncertainty. Um, if I'm betting uh, on a May reboot, I would say I would take the, the counter bet to that one. I think, um, you know, just from what we're seeing with how these states are, are and everyone's opening up at a, at a different pace. Um, and just just because, and and you did mention mention in the previous question about, you know, are these the right are these economic indicators the right indicators to be looking at? And the answer is no. It's really everything's been driven by virus numbers, you know, by mm-hmm. new cases, new hospitalizations, new you know death death reports. That's what's driving it's driving the market, and it's also what's going to drive the re- the the recovery, which is based on how quickly we can get things back open again. And if you look at the trends, yeah, we're seeing we're seeing some states open up fat, you know quicker than than others, but um, you know to have a May reboot is probably a little bit too optimistic. Um, you know, I know I'm in New Jersey. One of um, you know the things that happened this week was New Jersey was one of the last holdouts, but they said, all right, school's not open, you know, not going to open back up again. Oh, you um, did hear that. Okay. Yeah, that, that was announced yesterday um, that, you know, school's canceled until the until the fall. You're starting to see, you know, even colleges saying, you know, we're not having anyone on campus for sports or for anything until, you know, the states open back up again or till till the fall. And I think on the business side of things, it, there's going to be a same thing. There's going to be a transition in phases. Obviously, the less social interaction a business has, that probably the quicker that it's it's going to open back up again. But if you look at the the hardest hit sectors or hardest hit industries, um, you know they they've been decimated in some of the travel, the hospitality, the tourism, um, you know the restaurants, and you know even if um, you know, everyone, it was announced tomorrow that everything's open back up again. I think you're, there's still fear by the consumer that they're not going to go back to the way things were immediately. And, you know, in some cases it may be never, but, um, for some, some specific things. Um, so that's why I think a May reboot is, is out. I think we're more likely to the, to that summertime V shape, um, of the three, is, is probably the most likely. Um, okay, I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, full recovery, yeah, I mean, when no one wants to prolong, um, you know, it's a delicate balance, right? We have to, we, we, what we don't want and what the, probably the worst case scenario is we open back up again 
and we all of a sudden see a new onslaught of of cases and we overwhelm our hospitals and and all of a sudden we got to shut back down to to where we were and you know that's that's what we don't want but then you're trying to balance that against every day that the economy's closed it's hurting people it's hurting businesses and some businesses won't will never reopen based on you know what's what's going on so it's really a delicate a delicate balance and then the other piece that makes it really challenging is it's not we don't have instant feedback when you know you can you can do things in phases right we can open up this part you know i think you know i'll use new jersey as an example this past weekend they opened up the parks and the forests and and um you know open those up to people to go to go into and i think the theory is if everything was if everything was fine and you know we don't see a lot of you know cases come up they're going to go to the next step and open up something else mm-hmm. the problem is we don't it's it's you know the, the virus the cases it, they're not they're lagging indicator so if there was a problem with the the forests and the parks opening up we're not going to know for two weeks it's true and that just prolongs everything and makes mm-hmm. it makes the opening up up longer which yeah i mean optimistically we want to say the the v-shape in the summertime but could it go into the fall? Sure. Yeah, it, it, it could. And that's the uncertainty of things. Mm-hmm. So we've mentioned now this idea of a V-shape recovery. Um, mm-hmm. For for Can you tell us what that looks like, what that means, you know, in the in the sort of alphabet soup of recovery shapes? There's a U, a V, an L, a W. Um, what what are the characteristics of a V-shape? Sure. Um, and I, I don't know where they, they, but with all this talk, the, the shapes started gaining prominence and they're all over the place. V-shape is the, is the most promising, the most optimistic. I think that's the one that everyone hopes the, we see. And what these shapes are trying to represent are they're trying to represent the abrupt closing of the economy and, and how is this, how is the economy going to get back to where it was or back opened up? Mm-hmm. So a V-shape is simply look at, you know, you look at the, the way a V is shaped and we saw that abrupt closing, but we're also hoping for that, uh, you know, really quick ramping up, you know, as, as quick as everything was shut down, that's as quick as everything opens back up again. And if you um, listen to enough Trump press conferences, he promotes the V-shape and, uh, uh, you know, reopening a lot. And um, it, like I said, it is the most optimistic this is the one that everyone thought would be because you have this economy that's running at full steam heading into into the virus. It gets shut down. And the the government really, you know, with the stimulus package, they've really tried to put together just a pause. You know, hopefully the, they, their theory on the stimulus was we're going to just inject this enormous sum of money, you know, give it to people, into the economy, to businesses in the hopes that we can shut everything down. We can just almost have this pause and all of a sudden it, you know, we get the virus under control and it just explodes back upwards. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think if we're, we're looking at a V-shape or we may look at a form of a V-shape, but that that typical or that, you know, strategic, one, you know, real quick down, real quick up, it's probably not going to happen just because of the, the, the fears or the emotional ties to the virus. And not everyone is going to just go back to where they were two months ago. Um, you know, I think we're seeing that. Certain things are going to open up and be like they were, but certain things are are not, and are going to take time to to get for for people to get comfortable, which may even take you know until we we see a, a vaccine or or a treatment. 
So it may we may see on the you know pharmaceutical or, or drug side of things that that we need to 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 have before we get to that full you know back to where we were. Yeah, um, it is. It's true. It's very hard to unlearn that cautious behavior that we've all adopted over the past six weeks. You know. Yeah. I hear um, uh, gym owners around town. They've been given the the go-ahead to open under strict guidelines, so very small class sizes and so forth. And still mm-hmm. many of them, although they'd love to reopen, are reluctant to do it um, because yeah. they don't want to, you know, create a second wave of infections. Yeah, and, and that would lead to, um, you know, we have a shape for everything. So that one would lead to like what's called a W shape. And the way a W shape is, you know, same slant downward that we saw, you know, we come out of it and all of a sudden we have a second onslaught of, mm-hmm. of the virus. And all of a sudden we go back into a, another recession mm-hmm. and the second recession would probably be harder to get out of than the first one, because there's going to be even more caution because you don't want to see a third, a th- you don't want to open back up again too Correct. quickly and see a third, a third case. Of it. So mm-hmm. the W is obviously more negative than the V shape. The one in between those is something called a U shape, um, where U shape it's it's where t- we're in this recession longer than than we think, or longer than a V shape, where it's not an abrupt opening. So that's where you have the bottom of the U, where it's a little bit of time, but we do come out of it, you know, quicker, or, or there is an you know a, 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 a you know a, a slant upward mm-hmm. after the recovery happens. The one that's gained the most prominence, I think, is what's called a, a swoosh-shaped um, recovery. And if you think of the Nike swoosh, think of that shape where, yeah, we come down real quick, mm-hmm. but then it's you know gradual, um, or you know it's followed by a gradual recovery as the lockdowns ease, people are cautious, and yeah, it's not real immediate bounce back, but we do we do see it you know, we do eventually get back to, to where we are, even if it does take a little bit of time. And I think with the phase, the phases, um, you know, that came out of the government on the recovery and the opening up of businesses, um, you know, I think that's probably the most realistic one that we're looking at. Okay. Um, so I was reading an economist um, that forecasted that we might be looking at a cyclical V followed by a structural L. Now, that was written in English, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like English to me. Can you yeah. translate? Is that the swoosh that you're talking about? So the swoosh is the, is the cyclical V. So that's the first, the first part of it. So that's actually not, not so bad. The, the, the second part, that structural L, that's something we don't, we don't want. Um, what an L shape is, it's, it's really this prolonged period of time where like economically nothing goes on. The model of this is, is Japan. So Japan had this, you know, if you look in the 70s, the 80s, this high-flying economy, and all of a sudden they hit, they hit a downturn and really haven't been able to, to get out of it since then. And their economy just plods along. Um, you know, it, it doesn't even really have, you know, like our economy where it's, it's, it's still cyclical, but it slopes upwards. You know, over time, even though there is bear markets and there's recessions, it's you want to have your your bottom be be higher than your your previous top. Whereas Japan, it's just it's just stagnating. It's, so it's just moving moving sideways. And 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, any of these recovery shapes are, are possible, but that, that L shape is something that we do want to avoid. Okay, so no W, no L. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we, want, we want Vs, we want swooshes. <laughs> it isn't even, even an alphabet letter, but we'll, I guess that's how prominent Nike's well, been. Well, it, our, it, it sounds promising. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the consequences of pumping all this stimulus money into the economy. Mm-hmm. What? So, so yeah, so we've seen, you know, and, and with the, the last stimulus package that was passed, I think we're up to two and a half trillion dollars. They're saying there may be even a fifth um, bill that's that's passed, which would probably get us over three trillion dollars. It's an insane amount of money. Um, and whenever you pump that much money into the economy, one of the things that people immediately think of is, are we going to see inflation? And what inflation is, is just it costs more money to, to buy things. Think of like your supply and demand. If, okay. if there's money trying to buy something, it's just going to raise the price of it. Mm-hmm. And the example I use is college tuition, right? So anyone can get a, a federal loan to, to help pay for college. So there's essentially an endless amount of money that people can use. So what do colleges do? They know if their tuition is $10,000. Or if it's fifty thousand dollars, if someone wants to go to school there, they can get a loan and they can they can pay fifty thousand. So what colleges have done over time is they've just raised, kept raising prices up because they know that money was there to for for students to borrow and and to use. Same concept here is now there's the, the economy has just been flooded with money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, down the, we may see down we may see inflation down the road. We're not going to see it now. And it points back to something you mentioned earlier is that consumer spending is down, I think it's like 8% or 9% yeah, that's over the past, the past month. And the reason is, no matter how much money people have or, or how much money the government gives them, there are certain things that we're not doing. I'm not going to book a, a trip or going to book an airfare or a cruise, even if you told me someone would pay for it. And it's just because that's what's the, it's, it, we're in such an unprecedented time with the fear of, getting sick of the of the virus. So people aren't spending as much. If that does change, though, and if we do get that recovery and we do go back to normal, what we could see is is that inflation piece coming up, which is not necessarily it's not really good or bad. It just means that it could you know, it's something to that we have to watch because things get more expensive and the consumer well, their spending patterns would, would have to change on it. And usually when inflation happens, it also is correlated with a rise in interest rates. Okay. And then you start bringing in things like that. The, how does that impact the housing market mm-hmm. or how does it impact all these student loans or credit card debt or everything that has a, a variable interest rate? So, yeah, it's it's definitely something that, it, you know, we're in this big financial experiment, basically, when you just throw in, you know, the government's basically said we're we're going to support the economy and we're going to do whatever we, we have to do. So they've made interest rates are zero right now. Um, you know, basically you can get, you know, if you can get a loan, you, the interest rates on, on loans are very cheap. They flooded the, the, the market with money. Um, but these, you know, these, they pro- these things probably do have longer, longer term consequences to mm-hmm. them. So inflation goes up, prices rise. And at mm-hmm. the same time, interest rates rise, meaning it becomes more expensive to, to borrow money. To borrow, okay. correct. Okay. Yeah, if you have a 30-year fixed loan on your house, not a big deal. But your credit card loans, your student loans, 
um, any lines of, of credit, they're all more, more or less likely to be variable rates, mm -hmm. which means that the rate is, if, 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 if interest rates go up, usually those, the rates on those types of loans follow them up and it just becomes more expensive. And then it now becomes a cash flow problem for every, for everyone. Do they have enough money coming in to pay their, pay their normal typical expenses plus pay any debt that they might have? which is now increased. And, you know, that, that can become challenging for, for some people to, to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now is the time to lock into lower interest rates if you can. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's one of the things people will ask me, what should I be doing during this? And, you know, I'll, I'll say one, look at, look at your spending, look at your debt. Um, you know, the, the, the liability or the debt side of things, Everyone has, you know, we have control over. So that look at that side of things, and then you know I'll tell people look at you know if you want a home, look at whether refinancing makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. You know, interest rates have come down a lot recently over the past couple of months, and you know whereas it may have not made sense to do last year or beginning of this year to refinance, it's one of the things that you can control. You can analyze and see whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense, and you know that's one of the things that that you can look at and have control over. Good. All right. So we've talked about the stock market. We've talked about consumer spending. Um, let's talk about the job market and unemployment rates. And you know, this is particular <laughs> of particular interest to me because I have a recruiting firm and my business mm -hmm. is predicated on companies being able to hire. So what's the future look like? Go yeah, back to so the crystal I, ball. <laughs> go back to crystal ball. Go back to that, to that reco recovery shape. Um, you know, section that we that we talked about. Yeah, I mean, there's over 30 million unemployed right now. Now I know it, the number's not exactly, it doesn't tell the whole story because there's a lot of people that are, of the 30 million that are furloughed, mm -hmm. um, meaning that, you know, it goes back to that, all right, we just kind of have a pause in the economy and we're just gonna pick back up where they where they were. And, and if that happens, maybe, you know, half of those people really just start going back to work one day just as they were previously but we're still we're still definitely at you know our highest levels of unemployment ever so there there is definitely a change in the in the job market it's it's really going to be predicated on what what some of these industries that people are looking at as these are the hardest hit these are the ones that yeah they're they're not going to open back up immediately even if the economy economy takes place um, you know, so that, that's where I think it comes back to that. I think we're going to see a phase recovery on the, un, on the unemployment side or on the employment side as well, where, you know, there's going to be chunks, you know, we get a, we get an unemployment number every week that the, the they're called the jobless claims that gets mm -hmm. published. Mm -hmm. And right now the, over the past four weeks, they've just been steadily, you know, each week it's a, it's a higher number than, than it was uh, the, the previous week. And just like we, you know, everyone was looking at, the plateau of cases and hospitalizations on the virus. I think what we're looking to see is, can we see that same plateau on new people applying for unemployment claims? And I think we have to hit that. Once we hit that, we can say, yeah, we're, we are on the, the ride to the, you know, the ride to the recovery um, because we've hit that plateau. Now we know, oh yeah, we, we just put 5 million jobs last week into the market and another, you know, 4 million the, the next week. But I think that's one thing that I'm looking on my side is when when do we hit that plateau of to know that we yeah we are still a lot of people unemployed but we're at least on the right path to getting people employed again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and that's heavily predicated on um, how quickly we can reopen and um, uh, what that reopening looks like if it's a phased approach or not, because you know ultimately companies have to feel like people are spending money again um, yeah. and they can afford to expand and to hire back some of their furloughed people and to create new jobs. Yeah, and if you go, you know, it's going to bring it back to the to those numbers, those indicators that we were talking about with the virus. Um, you know, everyone wants to point back to 2008, 2009 and look at that crisis back then. But that was before the economy could recover from that. There was a financial problem or a finan- it was a financial crisis that had to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I think this is a little bit different where we have to fix a, you know, a, a pandemic is right. what has to be to be fixed. So, um, you know, once the the economy, once the, the market, once employers or corporations feel that, yeah, it's safe to open back up again and it's safe to start hiring and I f- they feel comfortable that, um, yeah, things will get back to normal, that's when we're going to have that phased approach or that rocky, I guess, path to, to getting fully employed again. Okay. Um, I'm about ready for some optimistic news, (laughs) something to feel hopeful about. Um, And right here, I'm going to steal a question from um, Guy Raz of the How Mm -hmm. I Built This podcast. Do you know that show? I do. Big fan of that. Big fan of that show. Yeah, I thought you might be. Um, (laughs) So he started this uh, series on resilience and he was talking the other day to uh, restaurateur uh, Jose Andres. Um, And in the interview, Guy asked, what are the reasons you have to be hopeful? So I'm going to put that question out to you. Um, you As a financial analyst, forecaster, economist, um, what are the reasons that we have to be hopeful? About okay. Um, yeah. So I guess one I'll, one thing I'll start off with um, Warren Buffett, who's probably the most famous and successful investor ever. He had his annual conference in Omaha last weekend. It's enormously popular conference. Um, and previous years, people from all over the country would he'd have it in an arena, and people from all over the country would come to the to the arena, and he'd just give he'd riff on everything that he was, he was thinking about. It was actually funny this year because he actually still had it in the arena, but it was just him on a stage oh in this goodness. enormous <laughs> basketball arena. But one thing, you know, and, and I listened to, to, the, to the conference, and one thing he said was never bet against America. And, you know, there are a couple of things that, that I believe in, and America is one of them. We've gotten through every pandemic, every world war, every financial crisis, Everything where, as you're going through it, you're you're saying this time is different. We're not going to get through it. We're not. And what happens is every time America comes out on on top. And I think that's that's one thing to be hopeful about is that we've gotten through everything. And, and as unprecedented and as tough as this is, we will get through it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I bet on too is I bet on science. I think you know there's enormous amount of talent in our in our biotech, our pharmaceutical industries. They will come up with a vaccine. They will come up with a treatment for this for this virus, and I think that's going to be a lot of the precursor to um, you know to, for people to feel comfortable, people to feel feel hopeful, and people to feel feel safe. And we've been, we've seen it over the past you know month 
where anytime there was news about positive news about a you know a company doing great work on a vaccine or you know this treatment working to to reduce the impact of the virus uh you know it, it was uplifting and the and the market even was uplifting about it so those are my two things i think you know i'm betting in this country and and betting on on science to to get us through it oh thanks for that that was very well put um <laughs> all right uh let's I have really two final questions uh, sure. for you. Um, so first of all, you know, speaking about optimistic outlooks, the the news um, makes this sound like the end of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And it's particularly bad, I think, because it's an election year. So everything has this overlay of a political agenda attached to it. I'm curious what news sources you rely on for unbiased factual reporting sure yeah i mean like you like you said it's it's you know if you just listen to the to the news you'll want to crawl in a shell and and you know stay there for for years and never come out um you take that on top of everything is so politically driven where it's you know you take one story you listen on one station and it's painted one way and you listen on the other station and it's painted on a completely different different way and it's it's tough and i do you know i'm guilty of it too listening on um you know i'll try and listen on both sides of it just to see kind of how they're they're painting the story but you want you want factual you know you want to you want to listen to facts or you want to read facts and try and make your own inferences from them so i mean there, there are certain things i i listen to and some people will say yeah they're that one's on this side of the politics, you know, spectrum and on the other, but I'll, I'll read the wall street journal every day. I'll, I'll read Barron's every day. I'll read the economist financial times. Um, you know, I, I'll also, I'm, I'm a fan of Twitter and not that I'm, you know, tweeting all day, but I can at least pick and choose what people I want to follow, what people are producing content, whether it's some videos, blogs, that I you know look up to and say yeah this is a unbiased opinion they're they're dissecting facts and you know I can you know really be selective about who um you know who I follow on there and mm-hmm. you know like I said it's all getting you want to get through the hysteria look at the look at the facts of of things um you know I had one person who um you know who I had talked to and their philosophy was stay off of google um, you know, because, and it was in the medical field actually, where, you know, you, you, your arm hurts, you all of a sudden you start searching it on Google and, you know, you're, you come up with 45 different afflictions that it, that it could be same concept with, with this is, you know, everyone's researching and it's just a lot of negativity of, yeah, this is the worst thing ever. And it's, we're never going to get back. And, you know, this time is different. And, you know, like I said, you, it's good to, to have the knowledge. It's good to have the the facts but you just have to weed through the hysteria to get there. It's true. It's true. Um, and you, I like Twitter too. Um, and I know mm-hmm. you're a fan of Tim Ferriss, as am I. Do yeah. you follow his uh, curated COVID Twitter feed? Yeah, he's he's got some good stuff stuff on there too. And, you know, I, I mean, some of his, you know, you were mentioning the, the how he built this, but like his tribe of mentors and some of his other stuff, it's, it's great, um, not just with the COVID facts, but also – He's a great interviewer. He gets a lot out of everyone he interviews. So, you know, that's that's one of the reasons I like him as well. Yeah. Okay. So, 
I want to go to what you said in a recent blog post because you were talking earlier about you know some of the things that you can control in this scenario. Um, you said stop watching what others are doing. Focus on your own needs, portfolio, and risk tolerance. Um, don't try to time the market. Define your strategy and stick to it. So yeah. obviously, this is affecting everyone differently, right? Um, there are people that are still employed and have money in the bank and are wondering, you know, what they should be doing with that. And there are others that, you know, maybe have been laid off and need to conserve right now. So if someone is interested in working with you on a personalized strategy, where should they find you? Yeah, best place is if you go to my website, which is boutisfinancial.com. So that's B-A-U-T-I-S financial.com. I have a link there where you can schedule a free consultation with me. I'd be happy to you know, talk about any specific financial questions that, that someone has. I mean, you, you mentioned it. It's really about focusing on what you can control. There's a lot of stuff we, we can't control, but there's even more that you, that you, you can control. And that's what, what we should be, be focusing on. And like you said, also, everyone is different. So what a strategy for one person may be the completely opposite of what someone else should be doing. And it's important that you have your own strategy and not something you just listen to off of CNBC or, you know, you, you heard on the, the evening news. Um, you know, really, you want to make sure you're making the right financial decisions with your money. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I, my husband and I have really enjoyed working with you on our own financial uh, goals and, and investment strategy. And I encourage people to check you out. Um, because, you know, as we've seen in this podcast, you can, you have a knack for breaking down very complex issues and making them approachable for the rest of us. Thanks, Jen. Really appreciate you having me on. Hi guys, it's Jen again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Small Business Speaks. We're releasing new episodes every week. So take a minute now to subscribe and rate us in Apple Podcasts. And if you have a favorite small business owner you'd like us to feature, leave me a message in the show comments or at Small Business Speaks on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks for listening.